0: A uh, snicker comes in like after early BP and takes the lineup card down. I guess you know someone scratched or something, but he comes back and he puts it back up and he's like, "Hey, you're in center field today." I'm like, "Oh!" At first I'm like, "Sweet hell yeah, this is awesome," and then I realized bad Max is on the mound.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Baseball America's From Phenom to the Farm, our interview series talking to current and former professional baseball players about their climb through the minors. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone that now is the best time to be subscribed to BaseballAmerica.com for all of your post-draft coverage, signing updates, scouting reports, and looking at how this draft has impacted the college ranks. Great stuff from Carlos Colazzo, J.J. Cooper, Teddy Hale everyone else involved in putting together the draft coverage. Now for today's episode, I talked to Lane Adams, who's had big league stints with the Braves and Royals and is a current member of the Twins organization. He's just waiting for baseball to get underway like the rest of us. Lane was a 13th round pick of the Royals back in 2009, yet another example of a big leaguer that wouldn't have been drafted in this year's shortened draft. Lane was also a Missouri State basketball recruit coming out of high school, and he hadn't even planned on playing college baseball. Something I noted in my write-up about Lane on the Baseball America website, his career and eventual big league time is largely a result of the Royals having short season affiliates for him to develop at, which is unfortunate when you think about MLB's current contraction proposal and the plan to move away from short season. It really hurts multi-sport guys like Lane who need that extra development time. This made for a really fun conversation. Lane is just generally a funny guy. I think everyone's going to enjoy hearing him talk. He's got a fun perspective on baseball. He's pretty honest and open looking at his career. I don't think he really held anything back. Hope everyone enjoys it. If you do, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. To Go check out past episodes and leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to go check out the Baseball America podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's talk on prospects, college, everything in between. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday, but there's new content on BaseballAmerica.com every single day, so again, there has never been a better time to be a B.A. subscriber than right now. With that, let's talk to Lane Adams. Okay, joining me on today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm, he was a 13th round draft pick of the Royals in 2009, current member of the Minnesota Twins organization, a blogger and NBA free agent, Lane Adams. Lane. Lane. Thanks for joining me while we're all stuck at home in quarantine.
0: Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Glad to be on.
1: Of course, of course. Um, before we, you know, we do a deep dive into your entire career and how you got to this point. Um, you're, like I said, you're you're still current member of the the Twins organization. You know, how are you staying ready for whenever baseball might happen? We're recording this. Um, on May 12th, so by the time this drops, who knows what's going on, but for right now, how are you trying to stay ready for a season that may or may
0: not happen? To uh, be all honest with you, I'm not really doing anything, to be completely honest, I've probably worked out three times since I've been home, haven't hit at all. In the past, that, that I would be grinding it out every day, but since I'm 30 years old now, I kind of, I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit, and it's hard to prepare when you don't have a timetable, so... Uh, I just kinda taking it easy. I picked up my workouts a little bit more past uh, ten days or so, but as far as baseball activities, I haven't done anything as far as hitting or throwing a baseball since I left Florida back in mid March.
1: Well, I don't I don't blame you for, for taking it easy. I think we're all I think we all deserve a nice break right now. But um, let's throw it back to your amateur days. And the, the first question I generally ask is, you know, when did you know being a professional baseball player was actually a real possibility? But for you in your amateur career, you were a prominent baseball and basketball player. When did you start to realize that you had a future beyond high school in either sport?
0: Uh, I knew pretty early on, and I could play after high school in basketball, probably eighth, ninth grade, knew that was a realistic um, thing I could do. Baseball. Um, probably wouldn't really believe it until I got drafted.
1: So not, so not until draft day.
0: Probably. Yeah. Probably a little bit before, um, yeah, quite a, a little before draft day.
1: How'd you balance the sports? How, how did uh, you, like, as you uh, got into high school, what were you playing more of? And you know, how often were you basketball. playing each?
0: I, I tried to quit baseball in my sophomore year, my mom wouldn't let me. So I, uh, it was easy. I didn't balance both sports. I just. Only played baseball games and worked on basketballs the time of the gym. I didn't do anything for baseball ever. Besides show up and play and have our team practices, but as far as hitting and do all that other stuff on my own, I didn't do anything. So
1: were you just a just a show up in the spring guy? No, no summer ball circuit, anything like that.
0: Well, um, we actually I went to a really small school in rural Oklahoma. Like we had 200 kids, K through 12. Yeah, really small. And, uh, we, so we had, we had football, so we had a fall baseball season. There's a lot of schools in Oklahoma that are like that. So we had a, we have a full on fall baseball season and a spring baseball season. So it goes football, uh, baseball, basketball, baseball. So yeah, we play a lot of games, uh, and our, we had a really, we have a great, I think we have like one of the winningest coaches in, uh, high school history across the country. I think like top 10 in wins we had a great coach. So he, he was all about playing games, getting reps in. So we played, I think, the only days we weren't allowed to physically allowed to play in. We weren't allowed to play on Wednesdays and Sundays, but we, he had scheduled, scheduled us noon games on Wednesdays to get out of school. Uh, so we played, he got us He got us playing games, uh, probably 40 games in the fall, 40 games in the spring, and probably another 30 to 40 in the summer. So it was a pretty busy. But I didn't play in the summer because I played basketball. But, yeah, for me not playing a whole lot of baseball, I still got plenty of reps in going to a small school like that
1: so you committed to missouri state for basketball missouri state has a pretty good baseball program were you were you going to play both there or were you just going to play basketball
0: no i had uh i had no interest in playing both and honestly no one no one they didn't ask me to play both i didn't recruit me to play both which is fine cause Like I, said, I had no interest in doing that because the, oh, the sports overlapped too much and quite and the fact that i just didn't want to do that yeah, I didn't get recruited for baseball out of high school, which was a okay with me. It's the way I wanted it, didn't. Uh, but yeah, that, there was no. <laughs> I they actually the coach called me, I think, like a couple days after I got drafted, and said that if I wanted to play, that the the, op- the opportunity would be there if I wanted to. But I didn't I had no interest in playing in college. I, if I wanted to, the sports overlap so much that it's just kind of be a
1: pain. So when did you realize you had popped up on on scouting radars? When did you realize that getting you had any chance of getting drafted?
0: Uh, I started noticing like my spring junior and spring season. I actually probably junior my the fall season of my junior year. Uh, that's when scouts started showing up. You know, getting the questionnaires and all that BS they send you. Uh, so that was kind of they started noticing. Like they started showing coming around. I didn't. At that time in the in the fall, I didn't think it was really realistic that I get drafted. And the spring had a really good spring like state tournament, a really good state tournament that spring. And uh, that after that, that's when more people started uh, uh kind of showing interest and cross checkers started coming around more. And yeah, so kind of the junior junior years spring is when it kind of you know really started kind of the interest started showing up.
1: So then what's the run-up to the draft like for you once basketball's over and you're headed over to – if you're playing some baseball in the spring, was it was it your goal to go pro? Or were you hoping to get drafted, or was it just like a thing where if it happens, you'll think about it. If not, you'll just go play basketball. Uh,
0: honestly, I didn't want it to happen. I wanted to play – uh, honestly, I didn't want to get drafted because um, I knew that – if I did, we'll get drafted that I would most likely be walking away from basketball. And I, honestly, that is such a hard decision for me, a hard thing for me to do. And I didn't, I didn't, want to have to like make that decision. Um, so honestly, sitting, sitting in my computer class in, in Springfield, Missouri, when the draft was rolling around, I was kind of hoping no one just called my name. Um, that was you know, kind of what, how I was feeling mentally or about the whole situation. Well,
1: then walk me through draft day. You're at school just watching the ticker.
0: Well, yeah, I'm in uh, so I got up there. It's like summer. I think I've been up there two, three days, um, going through workouts and stuff, really enjoying it. Um, and then I'm sitting in my computer class and I know the drafts going on and one of the scouts, a scout that called me and said, Hey, we're going to take you in the somewhere between the eighth and 12th round. So I, said, All right. so I'm following along on my, on my, uh, laptop when uh eighth round comes by nothing 11 10 11 12 nothing like oof, maybe they're not going to draft me so a little bit of sigh relief and then and then this 13th round rolled by and then say hey this is it and i like, ah, well damn That's <laughs> <I said>, well <laughs> so i just closed my laptop and i just left the class and i had to walk over to the uh basketball department and had to go have a sit down with our coach which was great. So,
1: what was his what was his reaction? Was he the first person you really talked to after you got drafted?
0: No, because I called my mom on the way over there. Uh, but yeah, but as far as well, yeah, I guess he was one of the first ones. He's the second one. It was great, man. Uh, I say great. It was yeah, it was great. He he handled that situation. You know, I couldn't ask for a better. For that situation to be better the way than the way it went. It was a great conversation. He supported everything I did. He encouraged me to go play. He you know he could easily could have made that a really difficult decision and pressure me to stay and you know kind of been an ass about it. But he he wasn't. He was he's a great dude. You um, know it's kind of why I committed there to play for him because the type of guy he is. Uh, but he was super encouraging and. Um, he he was really happy for me and my family about the opportunity. He he was actually insisting I take take the opportunity and you know give it a shot. And he said, hey, if he doesn't work out for you, you know I'll still be a basketball coach. You know down the road, I can always hit him up when I get done playing. Which I don't know if he would want a 30-year-old on his roster now, but I might be making that phone call soon. Uh, <laughs> but no, Just he still
1: so got eligibility.
0: Yeah. I get four years. No, it was great. Uh, but the whole time walking over there, I thought, man, this guy, you know, he's exhausted his, his energy his you know, and time away from his family to recruit me. And, you know, we built a pretty good relationship just, just from the recruiting process and me committing there. And the first couple of days on campus, I mean, we had a really good relationship. We still do. Uh, so be able to like, so it's kind of, I felt really bad and I, I felt like I was letting him down, but it, when he was really, you know, excited and happy for me and the opportunities, man, that really meant a lot, it meant a whole lot, and that really uh, took the, the the burden of the pressure uh, right off my shoulders. As soon as, as soon as I walked in and saw that he was, you know, really, he was congratulating me. He was following the draft. He already knew, like he, he was aware, and so he was really excited and happy for me. And that meant a lot for me.
1: So, what were the main factors in in choosing to sign? Because it sounds like you liked basketball a whole lot more than you liked playing baseball. Was it just financial? Was there anything else in that appealed to you about playing pro ball?
0: Uh, I would say 70% of it was financial. Um, you get a signing bonus at a certain age, kind of head start and everything. And the other was just kind of the other 30% probably just the opposite. Like, what if? I don't want to look back. You know, four years of college basketball, and you know, you're done. I, who knows if I play anything beyond that? Probably not. So my career probably would have wrapped up 2013, 14, whatever, 13, and that was about the time I was getting put on the 40-man roster. So I didn't want to. Just looking back at it, um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to not take the opportunity and you know, kind of ask myself, what if when I'm you know 23, 24, done playing college basketball. You know, life as an athlete is probably over from what I would gather. I didn't want to look back and be like, hey, you know, what if I play baseball? Could I have, you know, been successful? So that was that was another underlying factor in my decision.
1: Being a guy from a small school, did you have any expectation about how you'd perform in pro ball or how you think you stacked up to the other guys? Or did you go in kind of blind?
0: Oh, I went in super blind. Super, super, super blind. I had no, I knew nothing about professional baseball. I had an agent at the time. My Mom handled all my uh, negotiating, and uh, you saved that
1: commission then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, she got she got above slot signing bonus, so she did a pretty damn good job. I'll give it go, true.
1: mom. That's not <laughs> right? everyone gets that <laughs> right.
0: Um, so she did a great job for me. It was I, I, but as far as any like what to expect, I knew nothing. What to expect? I mean, I barely played. I mean, most of these guys come in pro ball out of high school and play, you know, pretty competitive competition, at least at the high school level. In summers, I never did that. Like, I always played basketball. Um, so I was, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really have any expectations going in.
1: Um, Were you nervous? Like, when you flew out to Arizona, or was it just kind of like, hey, this might be fun?
0: Uh, I was nervous because that's the first time I've been on, well, yeah, it's the first time I've been by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself for school for three days prior, but um this is for i'm away so i was like four hours away from home when i was at school but now i'm 18 and when i'm out in surprise uh yeah i was i was a little bit everything's ex- exciting nerve and a little nervous uh eager to kind of see what's about uh ha- i had actually had a uh i had a I had a little bit of the more i'll tell you what i was expecting at least playing a stadium my first year i wasn't expecting that chain link league of field number 1 in surprise Arizona. I was not expecting that. So that was a little under underwhelming when I found out I was playing on a backfield with no one
1: playing in front of maybe 10 people.
0: Playing in front of three guys keeping charts. Yeah. So that was very I was like this is uh terrible.
1: Well, <laughs> so, yeah. you get that you, you sign early enough to get about get almost 30 games in. When you get that first taste of pro ball in the chain league fence and the complex league, and then you you head back home in that off season, was there any thought to hey maybe I should just just go enroll for the spring semester in college and just make this thing a wash? Or were you still committed at that point?
0: Uh, no, that was I was I was uh, yeah I was I was definitely weighing that option because I did not like my first year. It sucked. It was hot. It was terrible we had stupid rules like pants up with stirrups and stupid like shave your face rules hated that this is terrible didn't have to do this in college yeah i was pretty disappointed in the whole like <laughs> reality of the lowest level of minor league baseball like it it stinks and i was not happy about it um but that went to instruction league that sucked hated that that was terrible and i was like man this is really this is really not that cool so did you
1: get home and think like, would I have to give this bonus back if I went to Missouri State? No,
0: I went home and I kind of just got out of baseball. I kind of just decompressed from all of it, um, played basketball and kind of refreshed and got myself back into the baseball. And then that was my first offseason. I never like had a moment of time where I just sit around, and don't do anything except work out. And that's all I did. <laughs> and I was like, hey, this is this part of the professional athletes. Really cool but sitting at home, working out and that's it. I could, I can get down with that. So that, I enjoyed that. The off, the off season, uh, my off season routine is what kind of kept me in baseball. <laughs> Honestly.
1: Did you feel prepared when you went to that first spring training or was that just a, a whirlwind too?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I, uh, yeah, like I said I was so freaking just, I had no idea what to do. I had, I had no guidance on how to be professional. I didn't, like I, didn't, I just didn't know how things worked. But, yeah, I showed up to spring, my first spring training, and I didn't – that was the first time I swung a bat. <laughs> <And I> went, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm from a small school. So we didn't have a batting cage at the time. They have batting, a squad's a batting cage now, but they didn't have one at the time. And so I was like, well, you know, uh, usually that's what spring training's for. You go up there, you know, hit. And I remember our, our hitting corners like, we would we work on this offseason? It's like, what the hell do you mean when I work on? How have you been swinging it? It's like I'm swinging. I swung a bat since instructionally. What the hell are you talking about?
1: <laughs> you probably should have lied in retrospect.
0: I was being true. I was like the worst thing I do was lie to him. Like I said, I didn't want to lie to him. <laughs> for some reason, I thought I was so naive. I thought they'd find out I was lying to him. And trust me. if you see me swing after not swinging for five months, they found out I was lying to him real quick. Yeah, and they just had this disgusted look on his face. And i was like, eh, well, now I know.
1: So what did you work on that first year? You you played 40 games in the Pioneer League. Were you an extended for, for some of that year?
0: Yeah, I went to extended the whole time. Uh, it was weird because I struggled that – I really struggled. I didn't play a whole lot. as my first year in training, and I kind of – I was obviously an extended guy, so they are going to – I would fill in and, like, some AAA, A, AA, double A, high, whatever, other, like, fill in these little spots for these other the A-ball teams and upper, bigger clubs. Uh, I felt trinkle in there, but I didn't play a whole lot in spring training when I, mean, I did play it, I had some very underwhelming uh, results. But like I said I was I'd never seen anything like professional pitching before, especially the small schools. like you might like 80s was considered hard. the 90s it's like unfathomably hard where I'm from. So that, that's all was so new to me and I was still getting used to the speed of the game. But I struggled my first spring training, and I got about two weeks into extended, and something just clicked. Everything slowed down. Uh, I started putting the barrel on the ball. I started playing a little bit more, more confidence. Uh, I couldn't tell you what. I don't know if I can't remember if it was an adjustment I made, or I just woke. I think I just honestly I think I just woke up one day, and it it seemed like the game slowed down for some reason. And I wish I knew why, because I would love to like kind of have that little nugget in my back pocket, but. Yeah, it was weird it was really weird. I remember it. I do remember it.
1: I mean, you held your own when you went out to the Pioneer League. You hit two eighty two, you got on base at a three forty seven clip for a guy who didn't swing a bat all off season and was, you know, seemingly kind of overmatched in the complex league the year before. That's that's pretty good. After that first year, did you you know, kinda of where where were you at when you got back you know, when you got back for the fall, the, the year before you had been You know, you didn't swing a baseball bat. You didn't, you know, you wanted to go back to Missouri State. Where were you after a full year of being a professional?
0: Uh, I was a little more, uh, I had a better idea of what I needed to do. I didn't still, didn't have all the answers. Still was looking for, I had a lot, I had more questions than I had answers to that time. Um, I didn't even know what questions to ask. I was just, I was really content with where I was. And I just kind of told myself, well, I knew I had to hit. I knew I had to do something season. So I did was able to do that. It was just me hitting off the tee by myself. But there was more than what I did the previous year. Um, but at that point, at that point, I was just telling myself, hey, just, you know, I'm going to grow with this game. Like there's really nothing like I knew I was so raw as an athlete or as a player. Like I was more of an athlete than a player when I was really young. And, uh, I knew that if I could just keep getting chances, keep getting reps that I could, that I would get, I would get my timing and get my rhythm and be comfortable in, you know, with the velocity and the speed of the professional the game at the professional level. Um, so I trusted that and that was, a uh, and that's something that, Hey, when I would, when I went back to spring training, next year, and I did struggle. I knew that, hey, I, I can. I just got to get used to the speed. It's a comfort thing. I can get there. I just got to keep going, keep going. Like I can do this. I, I knew I knew that I can make an adjustments, and things will slow down for me. So that first year, that having that first, having that success in the Pioneer League really kind of had me more believing in myself, more going forward. I wasn't really bought in to me being a major leaguer at that point, but I knew that I could at least possibly play myself out of extended into rookie ball. You know, that was kind of, it was, that was my, that was me just getting to the next level. That was my whole thing. I want to be at the next level.
1: Well, then the next year, when you, when you went out to low A and then got sent back down to rookie ball, but sent to the Appy league and not the pioneer league, would, did you still kind of keep that mentality of, Hey, I just need to keep getting opportunities and keep getting better. Or was that a frustrating kind of thing. Cause at that point you're 21, you're, you're still in rookie ball.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of both because, uh, I knew, I knew that if you look at my track record, I go somewhere and I struggle and then I figure it out. That's just how I've always been. that's why if you look at my M I L B or uh, season log, it's always half a year at some place, bump up a level, half a year someplace, bump up a level. That's kind of been my trend. Um, I knew that it's just, it's just reps at each level. And when I got sent down, I understand why I got sent down. We had a pretty crowded outfield and I was the youngest guy. So I get why they did it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I was, I, I was, I was convinced that if I just get reps and get used to the speed and the speed of the game that I, I would adapt. And I, and I, unfortunately at that time, I didn't, that wasn't the case. I didn't get that opportunity, but whatever went down able to have a pretty successful end of the year in Burlington or yeah, Burlington and the next year went to low A and was able to, you know, really kind of really push myself forward. And I think I hit 300 to 98 or something, something like that. Uh, the first half and then went to high A.
1: Yeah. Before we get into, into that with those, those first couple years in rookie ball, like you're not only adjusting to speed of the game, just the on field stuff, but you're kind of learning how to live as an adult and, you know, deal with with travel and deal with you know living in a clubhouse and just being able to self-motivate and be a professional do you think you adjusted to that aspect of the game because that's probably something especially with high school guys who go straight from living at mom's house to you know living with the host family or living in an apartment that some guys might struggle to do you think off the field you were able to you know handle your business pretty reasonably well
0: yeah i i definitely uh because I spent all summers, I would spend summers away from home playing basketball. I would go to these Nike camps, and I'd be by myself. So being by myself wasn't that foreign to me at that age. Fortunately, I had the luxury of being able to be out by myself in high school age. So that wasn't so, that wasn't as bad, big of an adjustment it was for some of the other guys around me, fortunately. Um, but I think that kind of, uh, that helped me, being able, being comfortable Away from the field definitely helped me, helped me my playing. Um, that's just, that was no doubt. I, I, I see, I saw guys that are stressed out, homesick, and all this stuff. Uh, and it, it really kind of, at times, it would carry over to the, to the field.
1: What about the, the travel of the, the Pioneer League and the Appy League? Um, you know, you mentioned you're from a small school, but you weren't impressed with the complexes. What about the stadiums? And in the low minors, did you feel like this is cool, or these places are dumps, and I need to move up quick, or I'm, I'm, I need to get out of here?
0: Anything was better. I was stoked to go to the Pioneer League, uh, especially out of the, uh, you here playing in the ACL. I mean, anything's better than that. Uh, I was excited. I love the. I lo- like honestly, when rookie ball, we 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 looked at, there. Was, so we had, I think, what was it? Yeah, three rookie ball teams. I think everyone wanted to go to go to the Pioneer League. It's better weather, stadiums a little cooler, better, and I think it's just better. And so when I went to Pioneer League, I was ecstatic, and I enjoyed my time in Burlington too. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's some really rough stadiums. Looking back at it, though, I was excited to be there because it's not chain link fences and backfields. But uh, I actually went to. I was yeah, I was excited to be. Playing in some actual stadiums, no doubt.
1: By the time you'd finished that season in Burlington, had you given basketball kind of a rest, or was it still in the back of your mind?
0: Uh I kinda of given it a rest by then. I I think yeah, I given it a rest. I think I kinda of put it to sleep when I I kinda of put basketball to sleep after my first or my year at the Pioneer League. I had I played really good there and I kinda of put basketball on the back burner after that.
1: You mentioned that you went to Kane County. You went to full season ball after struggling the year before, and then you go and you, yeah, you 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 know you pretty much tear it up. You hit two ninety eight, got on base three forty nine clip. You get to Wilmington, um, Carolina League is not an easy place to hit. The next year, you end the season in Double A after you know you you go back to Wilmington. You hit well in Wilmington. And then you, you end up in double A where, where'd that change come from? Is it just, was it just maturity and slowing the game down? Like you said, or were there any big adjustments you made?
0: Um, I think it was all, all of that was just maturity and uh, being able to slow the game down and, you know, trusting yourself and your ability. Uh, That was, that's what those uh, kind of, that's what helped me get through those levels um, was just maturing, learning, like kind of, Maturing as a baseball player and thinking through like situations like counts and stuff that is more of a yeah maturity on the baseball side of things is what got me through the lower levels, no doubt.
1: You get after that season in um after you end that season in Double A, you get added to the forty man. At that point, where you know where do you think your career is headed? Have you put in your head that you might be a major leaguer?
0: Uh, Actually, my first year I had in Kane County, I actually had a had like a motivation that year because my agent. I remember my agent told me at the time that that was my rule. I was up in a rule five draft that year, which I wasn't. It was the following year. So I was like, Oh, rule five draft. Is it going to be 40 man or, you know, potentially 25 man given the circumstance. So that was my motivation. And then I had that for two years because my agent told me the wrong year. Uh, so I just want to get to my 40 man. Yes. So I just want to get to my 40 man year or whatever. I just want to do that and make, see what happens. And, uh, that was that was my goal for two years and to be able to have be successful um, just having having something who to, to like really work for that was kind of that was really big for me I had a goal I, first time I had a goal that wasn't like num uh, numerical or any kind of stats oriented goal. I had one goal is just to you know play well uh, before my forty man year comes and I was able to do that.
1: so what replaced that goal then after you made the 40 man?
0: getting in the big leagues. That was did, that.
1: Did you have any expectation for what kind of big leaguer you thought you could be, or what you wanted to be, or was it I just need to get there and then I'll worry about it?
0: Uh, at the time, it was just get there then worry about it. When you're younger, at, and I was I was I always thought of myself to be a little more intuitive on how the, how everything works, but at that point, I was just like, hey, I'm one phone call away, like you know, and I was essentially. Um, but at the same time, I didn't realize how far I was. How far away I was, if that makes sense. Like I knew I was knocking on the door, but at the same time, I still feel like I was so far away because I got sent back to Double A in two thousand uh, fourteen.
1: So in that year, you play a you play a full season of Double A. It's the most games you've played anywhere. You play one hundred and five games in at, at Northwest Arkansas. You have a nine twenty four OPS the second half of the season, so you're playing pretty well. Did you? When you when it's going well and it's towards the end of the season, did you think that you might get the call? Were you expecting a September call-up? Or w- was it off your radar at that point? Because the Royals, for the first time in the longest time, were actually really good that year. They made it to a World Series. So it's not like there, there were a lot of holes on that team.
0: I know. Damn the luck. Uh, yeah, uh, well... Early in the year, I didn't really see myself. I was like, well, if they're sending me freaking double A, and they're already kind of really good outfield team, they got a really good triple A outfield, like, like I, I really didn't see myself. I did, they started, they were, they had success in the big leagues, and they started wanting to fill needs, and what, they help to win games, and uh, fortunately, fortunately, that they thought that uh, my speed and defense was enough to you know, get me on the roster in September, and they told me that in, I think, July, that, hey, we're going to think of, you got to be ready because we might use you to, you know, late defense or run oh, in September. And I'm thinking, all right, awesome. And I'm super excited. You know, I have another goal to attain for, right? So that kind of led me to having a kind of doing, having a lot of success in the second half. And then I, I think I got hit in the wrist or something and missed all of August or all of July. I hit and missed all of July and came and I. Came back early, um, and still was able to get a uh, call. Fortunate enough to get called up in September.
1: Walk me through what it's like to get the call, your first call.
0: It wasn't exciting. Uh, <laughs> they, I, oh, I, I say that it was exciting. I'm oh, sorry, I said it was exciting, but there was no like dr- drama to it. Uh, like I said, they told me <laughs> they told me earlier in the season hey there's this could possibly happen we're looking at you and all this stuff so the cat was kind of out of the bag i knew they were i knew they were considering it and they came up they our assistant gm came to a game in tulsa i think 10 days before uh, uh september 1st or the call up or september whatever first and uh, i think i played really like three home runs still like five bases in like a four game series i was like well if that didn't just solidify a september spot then hell with these hell with these people I'm thinking. so um and then he's like he's like hey it was pretty it was almost at the time like 10 days out for being a september i would i would have easily made a bet like i would have bet on myself too. i would get called up if, if i could like i was that confident it was going to be a, a thing and at, and there was the royals are really transparent with it and all that like they weren't kind of you know, trying to be hush hush about it and all this stuff. They were really open and what they wanted and what they were looking for in players. They told that, not just me, everyone that they were telling. But they said but they brought me aside and said, Hey, we're really, really you know, this is what we're needing and you kinda of fit that role, so be ready and, you know, show us that you can do this. So I think it's the last game of the year, no, last game of the month of August. My I live two hours away from Northwest Arkansas. so my family drove up. I had like fifteen people there. And it's our last home game of the season. And our manager, we our manager, we get there around one thirty one, and I'm walking in the same time. Our manager's walking in and to the ballpark, and he says, "Hey, uh, Lionel's not going to be posted till about we have a we had a six o'clock game. The last not going to be posted till about five thirty, but just act like you're playing. And I was like, just assume you're playing in the game. And I'm thinking, well, all right. Well, then, you know, something's going to go down. So that's uh, – and at this point, I'm kind of just, like, waiting for him to tell me. Like, I know like, – I'm pretty confident I'm going up. I'm just kind of waiting. 5.30 rolls around. And I was like, well, I guess I'm get ready for the game. And I start getting – I'm walking out with all my stuff to the dugout. And that's when I walk by his office and he pulls me in and he tells me, hey, congratulations, you're going to Kansas City. So it wasn't a big – wasn't a big, uh, it uh, wasn't a whole lot of drama or excitement there. It was exciting. Say it was, it was really exciting, but it was not like it was a big, like a big thing or a big surprise.
1: Did you still play in the game that night, or did you have to tell the people who drove two hours to see you play, like, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news? Uh, good news is I'm a major league. The bad news is I'm not playing tonight.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, my manager was really cool. Who's Vance Wilson. He was really cool. Um, he is like, I was like, well, he's like, get your stuff, pack your stuff up. Uh, he said, you don't t- you're not allowed to tell anybody yet because, um, like I guess the Royals don't want to announce like they're not going to announce until the next day, like next day at noon. Cause we're not going to announce the move. So I, I go in there, I text my mom and say, Hey, uh, I'm not playing tonight. Um, I'll just, I'll meet you guys back. They're not gonna, if I'm not playing, they're not going to stay for the game. <laughs> yeah, so I'll meet you guys back at y'all's hotel. And uh, this is uh, after, after the game, knowing that I was just going to meet them like, probably an hour after I pack everything up. And that it was more a surprise for them. Like, hey, I show up and tell them the situation. They were really excited. We had a small celebration in the uh, hotel room in Fayetteville, Arkansas.
1: Well, you get up, you you play out September, you don't get to you don't get to post a batting average. Unfortunately, you don't get that that all-special big league batting average, but you get in a few games, you get a couple ABs. Were you able to at least kind of reflect that you'd gone from a guy in rookie ball for the third season in a row to a guy in the big leagues in 3 years on a team that would eventually go to the World Series? Was there any Was there any chance to kind of like reflect on that, or was it just this is cool? Now I've got another goal.
0: Not really, because I honestly, I got. I was happy to be up there in September, but I I honestly, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was a part of that. Uh, I wasn't really satisfied. I was happy to be there, but I was. I didn't feel like I. I wasn't contributing. I didn't feel like I was. I didn't really feel like I was, a major leaguer. If that makes sense. And granted, I was on paper, but I didn't do anything. I didn't prove to myself that I could play up there. I just proved to myself that I could get here, and that's you know, that's a cute, it's a cute thing to I guess have under your belt. But you know, everyone wants to be able to compete at that level, and I didn't really, I didn't really get that opportunity, and the small opportunities I did, I didn't take advantage of them. So I wasn't, I wasn't really satisfied with myself. I wasn't, I kind of had a bittersweet taste in my mouth after that season. Um, yeah, I wasn't. It was, it was, wasn't as I don't know. It was it was a really indifferent feeling going into that offseason.
1: So what kind of goal did you take into 2015? Cuz I'd imagine like get up and stay up was in your mind, but also that team, you know, went to a World Series. It wasn't like it was a, you know, a bottom-tier team. There's a lot of stack competition in that team. How did you go into 2015? What was the next goal?
0: Uh my goal was, I mean, from the talks of it, my goal was to they wanted me to either be starter in AAA or their fourth outfielder at the time going to spring training. So that was my goal is to make the fourth outfield spot. And that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I didn't even make the freaking Omaha team. I got sent back to AA at the beginning of the year. Um, so that was uh, – yeah, I, I expected to go and at least been in AAA since I kind of proven I handled A at that point. Um, but like I said, there's just – there's other – outlying factors in baseball that you out of control but uh yeah I didn't really reach my uh reached my goals in 15 going into spring training that I had set for myself
1: well then let's talk about 16 because you have you have a weird 16 um it starts in January when you get put on waivers claimed by the Yankees the Yankees then release you in July you sign with the Cubs you finish out with the Cubs you end that year sign with the Braves. Walk me through the year as far as dealing with the sudden organization shuffle and playing for four teams over two affiliations in one year. What is that grind like? What is, what is that year as a professional like?
0: Um, you know, that was a, that was the most, that was a, that was a fun, those were fun years. Um, it was a kind of, you know, when you kind of come up with one team, you only get one set of ways to do things. So you know, each team has philosophies. And I really enjoy getting out of an organization. And I don't get me wrong, I really love being in Kansas City. No doubt about that. I really enjoy it. I couldn't ask for a better team to be brought up by. Uh, but be able to get out and kind of see other philosophies, see other, the way other things are being taught, and other this kind of more innovative ways the game's been played or being you know, kind of taught and valued. That was really eye-opening for me, and I really enjoyed that. And it's that's something that kind of didn't really know existed outside of Kansas City cause it didn't. We weren't allowed to watch video when I was in Kansas City. Uh, but when I went to the Yankees, they encouraged watching video. Now I loved video, but and I wanted to watch in Kansas City, but they, they just wouldn't let me. But being able to do that and a little more, little more uh, hands-on uh, with with the Yankees and Cubs, I really enjoyed that a lot and be able to experience that definitely helped me, uh, going forward. So
1: after that season, after you've, you know, after, after that and you're granted free agency, is there any, you know, is there any thought of being like, you know, I've still got some bounce in my legs. I'm going to go play basketball and get my school done. Or was it, I, I want to find a a good job because I feel like I can do this.
0: Uh, after Kansas city,
1: after, after the, uh, after the season with the Cubs and the Yankees, where you, you finally got to free agency.
0: No, because I knew, like I knew now I'm able to kind of pick, this is exciting for me. because so I get to kind of, you know, establish where I want to be. Whereas the past, it's like the Yankees picking me up. Well, the Yankees are the New York Yankees. And usually they the New York Yankees outfield is typically crowded with really talented players <laughs> and saying with, uh, the Cubs, really talented players at the time, uh, still. Yeah, what a run for you! The, right? the World
1: Series, Royals, the Yankees, who are the the richest team in baseball, and then the Cubs, who I think won the World Series that year. Incredible, <laughs> incredible run of good teams.
0: Yeah. So at this point, for agency, I'm excited because I get to finally, oh, granted, if I'm lucky enough to have enough teams interested, I get to dictate kind of where I get to, where I want to go or who I get. I get to. I, at the end of the day, I get to decide. So I, I was all about that. I was excited about it. And that was, uh, I was at least going to, uh, I was definitely going to uh, go through free agency before I even sniffed about thinking about going back to basketball.
1: So, what made the Braves the pick then? Because in retrospect, they ended up being, I would think, you know, you'd say the right pick. What made them the pick?
0: Man, that's a hell of a question because I didn't want to sign with them my agent didn't want to sign with them and my agent's assistant is who talked us into signing with them
1: so what was what was the assistant's pitch
0: that better I get the big leagues faster Which he she was right I got there quick um, but yeah I was I negotiated a deal the Braves there was, there's was there's like 7 teams I was talking to but it came down to the Braves and the Giants well Braves were, weren't meeting me what I want salary wise and the Giants were on the minor league salary-wise, anyways, and that, and I was like, dead set. I called my agent, said, "Hey, this is this. This is what the Braves are offering. This is what the Giants are offering." I talked to my agent, like, "Well, no, this is a little significantly higher than what they're offering. You know, that's." And he's like, "Yeah," and he agreed to it too. And we're, he said he would send me over the email in the morning, or the he'd get the contract drawn up and send it over to me, have me sign it the next day. I wake up the next day. I had a text message. Hey, we need to get one more. We have one more group chat. Eric, assistant Eric, wants to like run some things by you. And he he rattles off how the Braves lack depth, the outfield position, all this stuff. How he how the how the GM is personally calling him, trying to sign me, and that that usually never happens on a minor league deal ever, especially guys with my not as tenured as me like i don't have as much tenure for gm to be calling about you know, my early contracts um he said, that's kind of the you know that's kind of a pretty good indicator that they really value you so so he we we're about on the phone for 30 minutes and he convinced me and my agent to, <laughs> to let go of the giants offer and sign with the braves and take less money and I'm thinking, oh my gosh! I, I, I honestly, I don't, don't know why I did it. It was just, but luckily I did because it ended up being my best year of my career. It's kind of weird how it all worked out because I was not wanting to sign there, and neither was my my agent.
1: Well, you told me when we first talked that you said that things can change quickly in baseball for better and for worse. How did things change quickly for you in your first year with the Braves? Because when you started out in Gwinnett. It wasn't even you weren't even playing every day, right?
0: No, 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 no. I when I when I got to Gwinnett, uh, I didn't start opening night, and I, that pissed me off. Like that was, I mean, granted I was twenty seven, so I knew I was older. And I could get the circumstances, but I wasn't any older than everyone else on my, on our team at the time. Um, and I was playing every other day, and it was sit a game, play a game, sit a game, play a game. And I could never. I don't think I. I didn't play back to back games till I hit I had a two homer game in Norfolk when I finally played the next day. And I remember that, that game in Norfolk, I was struggling. I just think I was 0 for my first eleven or twelve and I think I, my first hit was inside the park home run and that kinda got the ball rolling in the next game in Norfolk. I hit like a two homer game at four for five two homers and then got hot. In Durham and came home, home sand got hot. And I was playing every day and playing really well early in the season, which is something I hardly ever do. Like I usually suck the first two months of the season for some reason. Uh, so I was really, you know, got, I was really uh, happy with what I was doing early. And the phone rang and they said I was going up to meet the team in New York and end of April. And I was, that, that hit me more than my first call up did.
1: After seven years, you know, grinding is mostly an everyday player in the minors. What's the year like for you as a big league role player? I'd imagine you take being a big league role player over playing every day at AAA. But how do you keep yourself ready? How is it acclimating to the majors as a twenty-seven year old, you know, rookie? What's that? What's that whole entire experience like?
0: Man, it was a lot of fun. It was it was hard because I'd never pinch hit before. My my goal was to pinch hit and play defense off the bench. And pinch run like that was I was a fourth outfielder who was the, was not going to be not going to start any games. They made that known real quick. Like hey man, you ain't going to play a whole lot. Like all right, whatever, just pay me, I don't care. And uh, so it was tough. Like then I get called to pinch hit before I had never pinch hit. I mean I, it's hard pinch hitting in minor leagues. In the small times I have done it. And going to it in the big leagues was a different freaking animal. And so you got the level speeds up on it, adrenaline, you know, you got big name guys out there. It was, it was tough. It was a big mental battle. I, and I had to, uh, I faked, like, I had to pretty much trick myself. I fake, I had to fake my confidence. Honestly, I faked everything I did. I faked my confidence had to play just because I was I was so I was so nervous and just like afraid to mess up that it was messing with me mentally that I had to just tell myself hey you have to, even if you, you have to you had to get out of your own head um, and I, even if you had to fake it fake it just you gotta stop you gotta you gotta do something and so I just I didn't even believe it but I just started walking around head head a little bit taller chest out a little bit more i just started doing that and it slowly started carrying over um so that was a it was a big mental adjustment for me because you know you're out there you're 27 years old you never really played up here you don't know if you can play up here you still have to answer you still have to answer that question yourself prove yourself you can And you see these big name guys out there like familia like guys who've been around the big leagues a long time you've seen on tv uh Price, you know, there's all Scherzer, Strasberg, you know, those are, it's hard not to get kind of intimidated by those big names that have had a lot of success in this game. Um, so being able to fake and kind of fake my confidence kind of led to me, you know, having real confidence in myself, as weird as it sounds. Is there
1: a is there a single pitcher you can remember facing that like the first time you were like this is surreal this you know I've I've watched this guy on TV now I'm facing him like I'm really a big leaguer is there any any single AB that stands out from that year of like this is wild
0: Scherzer I think I faced Scherzer oh, it was early in the year I think it was May I can't remember what time it was it was one of it was early in the season earlier in the season earlier in my arrival to the season i guess and it was one of my earlier bats and he just mowed me down and i'm like holy <laughs> shit. i might as well just just signal three to the umpire walk back to the dugout say, there some once in a time and he just he just made me i was in and out quick and uh i was like holy hell and and then the next uh i think that might have been may and i think we fast forward to uh I think it was September. I think we are mid-September. We are back in, uh, in D.C., and I get to the early the ballpark. We have early VP that day, and I take early VP every time they offer it because I have nothing else to do. So I'm there at the ballpark really early, and uh, the lineup's up. I'm not in it. I don't even look at the lineup because I know I'm never in it, ever. And uh, so – uh, Snicker comes in like after early VP and takes the lineup card down I'm like what the hell I guess you know someone's scratched or something but he comes back and he puts it back up and he's like hey you're in center field today I'm like oh at first I'm like sweet hell yeah that's awesome and then I realized bad Max is on the mound and I'm just like son of a like what like why like all pitchers it had to be this guy like like it was like why Matt, why this guy? And then I just sat there. I sat at my locker for about twenty minutes thinking this guy you know how he is. He gets out there, he stares at you. He's a he's a he's a dog. He's a bulldog. He comes at you. He's a killer. He killer, man. That's why he's mad max why he's one of the best pitchers in the game, if not the best. Like he's he's the reason he's got that reputation. He comes at you. He's fearless. And you know, and it, it's intimidating, especially as, you know, me who, you know, not a lot of, you know, you know not a lot of success and tenure on your belts, under your belt to kind of, you know, can I, can I compete with this guy? So I sat there 20 minutes. And I was like, you know what? I know if I, I know if I'm intimidated by him that he's really going to mow me down. Like he's, like so I told myself, I'm just going to fake, I'm just going to fake, uh, fake my confidence. I'm going to act like I own him. And I'm to, when I walk into the batter's box in the eighth spot. I'm going to stare at him. I know I he's going to stare at me. I'm going to stare right back at him. And just kind of like, even though if I don't believe it, I'm gonna. he's not going to know that I don't believe it. And uh, I ended up having a really, really, really successful game against him. I think it was a two for, I it was two, for two with a, a triple and a single. It would have been a double, but I slipped over first base, busting my ass around in first. And then he walked me on four straight pitches. And after he walked me, he threw like a really hard snap throw pick off the first base. And then I think uh, Zimmerman threw the ball back to him. And He like, stabbed at the ball with his glove and caught it and kind of stared at me a little bit. And that was the moment I knew that I can do this at the major league level because I had Max Scherzer thinking about me. I had I had Max Scherzer that night, and that was that as well. That's a, that's how I can sleep sleep at night knowing that I had one time in my life I had Max Scherzer. I would gotten the best of Max Scherzer one evening. And that really, really, that, that game, uh, really kind of, that, that kind of really gave me a lot of confidence going forward was that moment. And that, those three at bats off of Max Scherzer.
1: Yeah. You're going to have that one forever.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: that's, that's awesome. Well, you, you get 85 big league games in, 2017 and then 2018 you've got I mean it's just a weird year if you read the transactions with no context it's strange you you start out the season with Atlanta you get released by Atlanta you sign with the Cubs then you get released by the Cubs then you're back with the Braves you and the Braves just can't quit each other walk me through walk me through 2018 coming off that long year of of being a role player cuz you know, you get that big league stretch, but you only get 109 at-bats. That's a, that's a long time with not many at-bats. That Do you think that affected you at all?
0: Oh, it definitely does. Um, Yeah, so 18, well, I remember, you've got to go back to 17. Into uh, 17, I'm driving home, just finished off the season, uh, driving back home from uh, Atlanta. I stopped in somewhere, it's late. I didn't get on the road till late, late at night. I stopped in somewhere in mm-hmm. Mississippi the night, got up, and I'm probably 10 miles down the road, and I, my MLB app updates, and he said, Bray General Manager, John Capalela is banned for baseball for life. And I'm thinking, I and I'm just like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, that's the one guy that's like, actually liked me and valued me as a player. Like, even like, I think a couple days before, he had told me in the dugout in Miami, that, hey, you you, we want you to be our, we're hoping and we want you to be our future fourth outfielder for, you know, at least the next three, four years. You know, that was like, that was the first time I ever saw myself having a future with a major, with a, with a major league club after that conversation. And then to see him get banned from baseball, really, man, I, I it, that's hurt me so bad. Um, and maybe in that maybe it's because i i just got my own head too much but just seeing that i mean it it really just crushed me i because i knew i knew with the new gm and new york new gm he, like i gotta go out and prove to him hey, he's not gonna know of me they're probably gonna get a couple new coaching like new staff guys in here uh new system gm all this stuff and i'm thinking i gotta go out and like everything I, I I was thinking to myself, everything I did in seventeen is pretty much washed because I gotta do like I gotta impress a whole new regime. And that that weight on me, that pressure the pressure to perform and impress them weight on me from that day all the way through spring training. And it was the most miserable it was the most, I mean, going into the spring training in 18, that was the most miserable spring training I've ever been in. And it shouldn't have been because that was the, that was the only spring training I had a viable chance to be on an opening day roster. And it was the most miserable spring training of my life from a performance standpoint to a mental standpoint, just everything terrible. And I, I did it to myself. It wasn't, it wasn't like I just mentally don't myself up and, I got myself in a big hole, uh, and I just couldn't dig myself out of it. It was it was difficult, and I think it all started from just seeing that the GM get banned from baseball. As silly as it sounds, it, that, it just, for some reason, I let that get the best of me.
1: Well, it, it sounds like it sapped your confidence. You would, I mean, going back to what you were talking about with, with rookie ball and going back to your, your A-ball days, talking about how much just being confident in the level meant to you at that point, it it sounds like it was kind of the same thing Not playing psychiatrist here, but it sounds like it was kind of the same thing in that, you know, the, the person who believed in you kind of sapped your confidence. So how did, how did 2018 roll around for you once, once the season started and eventually leading to your exit and return to the Braves?
0: Man, like I said, my spring training was terrible. And I, and I hit like 240, but it was not a good like 250. So it was not a, it was not a very pretty or productive 250. It was a pretty. It felt like I hit about 130. Um, but I was thinking to myself, I'm out of options. Uh, they I have it. did really well off the bench last year for them, so surely like that'll have some leeway in decision making. I'm thinking there's really no one else behind me that's on the 40 man. Like I'm pretty. I should be good unless they go out and get somebody. I'm thinking to myself if I can just if somehow I can just get through spring training get on that 25 man roster I will settle down because I hate spring training I've always hated spring training I think spring training I I don't myself at spring training it's all like I I don't know I don't like spring training uh, but I just told myself if I can get through spring get to the season I will relax and settle in I know I will I just gotta somehow weasel my way onto this roster with this abysmal spring training performance <laughs> and luckily I was. I was able to get on that roster and I settled in. I settled in. And I, I mean, I think I had, I think I went uh, two for three. My first uh, three at of bats off the bench with a homer. A grand soft position player, but still. Hey, um, counts in the stat book. Right? Right? That's a that's a right. that's
1: a homer I, in the stat book, man. I had a couple
0: of early hits. I, I was I was feeling good, and, and then when I got DFA'd, I was I was really surprised. I was really I was really really surprised i think at the time idea like dfa has only gone on our bench on our bench you had to hit off the bench so i was i was surprised and frustrated and a little pissed off a lot a little i was really aggravated about it uh when i i left and didn't have that great of a departure um well it wasn't bad it was just there's was, it wasn't it wasn't a yell or anything it was kind of just some disagreements back and forth but um i i i let that i i really let that me not being like i really let that get to me too because i i for some reason i thought i why why me like i'm better better than everyone the guys that kept and stuff i, don't know, I was really I was really resentful like not not just to the braids but to everybody like i was a pretty miserable person after that uh, i i for some reason i thought i wasn't getting a fair shake uh, i kind of just dug myself into a hole again and that that spiraled um all through 2018 and it was, it just got worse. And Iowa, I, it was, it was, uh, it was tough. 2018 was really tough.
1: So at the end of 2018, you, you play for, you play for the Cubs in AAA, you play for Iowa, you don't hit very well. You play for Gwinnett, you get signed by the Braves again. You don't hit very well. And you've you've had this, you know, this kind of feeling like after the Braves let you go, you've been, you're just, you're kind of mentally down. Is there any, at that point, you're 28, you've been a professional for about 10 years. Is there any thought to hanging it up?
0: Uh, When I left Iowa, I didn't think I'd get picked up. I was hoping to get picked up because my tenure in Iowa in 18 wasn't, was not how i wanted to go out i mean that was abysmal what i did there and just from a performance standpoint to a mental standpoint it was just like if i had gone out like that it would make me really really dislike the game of baseball and so it wasn't so much of me hanging up as me i was concerned if hell i played so bad i don't think anyone's going to pick me up regardless of what i did just a year ago less than a year ago in the big leagues like i thought i played i thought i just played as quick as i played my way into a bench role with atlanta i thought i just played myself out of baseball in 18. um so that was a really that was a really uh, trying time to say the least uh but it made me do a lot of growing up and it really made me mature and yeah it's it's something i've learned from and it's something uh, I mean, I see other players going through that, younger players. I try to help them because I've shared, I've shared that experience with teammates before because, you know, uh, I, I, I know how dark that place is mentally. Uh, yeah, I mean, it affected me on the field, off the field relationship. It was bad. And that's the place where I try to use that experience to, like, help my teammates because uh, that's, that's no place I, I want anyone to be as far as a mental state. I mean, it was tough, but yeah, but I learned from it and it adjusted. And luckily that year, I, it's, that's, you know, that's how crazy, that's why baseball's so crazy. Because as bad as that year was, I somehow found myself in a, on a major league playoff roster. As bizarre as the world is.
1: And then in free agency, you signed with the Phillies. So you, you get another job. You didn't play yourself out of baseball. You end up in the playoffs. You signed with the Phillies. Um, was getting on the, was getting on the playoff roster was getting picked back up enough to kind of pull you out of that funk or was it signing with the Phillies and just playing every day again in triple a cause you got in 2019 last year, you got 270 at bats, which is the most you've gotten most you got since 2016.
0: Uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, there were still 18 was weird. Cause I knew going in 2018, I it was going when I got the call back up in September that I was just there. It was kind of like I was there. I was a primary pinch runner is what I was. And uh, so I wasn't, I didn't really have a spot. I didn't have, I only had a spot for that month. Um, it wasn't like as soon as the world's world series is over five days after that, I'm off the roster. I knew that. Um, so I didn't really, that didn't really like that didn't pick me up say getting called it didn't really like pick me up as a like a get me out of the hole type thing um I think just because of how I knew things were going to happen with Braves I knew like I wasn't happy with them after the season I knew that so um but yeah getting over to Philadelphia and getting around like I said fresh bases fresh uh, staff, fresh front office, fresh ideas, and uh, new teammates. Like that was all like that. That was new. It was a kind of fresh start. And I think I think that really kind of uh, that that really is kind of what I need. I need I needed a clean slate, no 2018. Every, all the bad numbers behind me. Yeah, they'll still be on the baseball card, but they're not going to be on the scoreboard this year. Uh, I think that was probably the big refresher that I needed.
1: You have a you have a pretty decent season in 2019. Last year certainly better than your 2018. You parlay that into a contract with the with the Twins uh, in in February of of this year. Obviously your 2020 plans and everyone's 2020 plans haven't gone to plan. Uh, it's it's a weird year at this point. You know things might, by the time this episode drops things might have changed. But for now, you know if you if you are able to get on the field in 2020, you know, what are your goals for 2020 and kind of what's your goal for, you know, you, you've, you mentioned, you know, over this past hour that we've been talking that you were kind of going year by year with goals and getting, you know, staying motivated with a certain goal. What is, what is your goal for the rest of your career? At least what's the next goal you've got in mind?
0: Uh, My next goal, honestly, I, I try, I have one goal Oh, I say two goals. I have two goals. I'm trying to play as free and loose as I can, and have as much fun as I can. I know that's cliche, but that's something. I haven't had fun playing baseball since probably 2013, 14. Like I've just worked myself out mentally, studying tape, flying around the country, hit with hitting people. Like I've exhausted myself just mentally on that. Like it was that. That's not that's a different, but. 2020, I told myself, hey, I'm just gonna go in, I'm gonna have fun, I'm not gonna worry about anything, I'm not gonna try to play GM in my mind, I'm just gonna let everything happen happen. This could be my last year, you know, what? this could be my last year. This, you know, it might not be, you know, who knows? And that's, I think that might be a maturity thing. I got 30 now, I don't know if I'd start thinking differently, but uh, it was kind of sense of Hey, you know, what? this, it, it is what it is. Let's go make the best of it. Let's have fun, because you know, there's one of these. There's gonna be a time where you know this just isn't here anymore for you. And I'm just, I'm trying to bring back that, that fun and that, that happy nature, mental state. You should be, you should be, you should be in when you're playing, playing baseball. And, uh, that's, that was something that I even took to, you know, spring training this year. And I, and I had, and when I was having so much fun in twins camp this year, and I was, uh, wasn't worried about my performance going out there having fun uh playing like playing hard just having a good time you know trying to just talk to help teammates and all that stuff and try to just be as happy as i can on the field and it, honestly that was the most it was the most It was only three four weeks of spring training but it was the most fun it was the most fun spring training i've had and what was that one my 10th one yeah and all is my post was the most fun i have had in 10 spring trainings and like I was it was it was great I've enjoyed it a lot um, just being able to go out there and you know be able to sleep at night it was great I mean 2018 spring training I did not sleep like I would stay up all night wouldn't sleep had take I take home a little bat in my my hotel rooms dry swing in front of the mirror try to figure stuff out it was it was terrible and I I didn't do that this year um, I was just I was happy with where I'm at and it wasn't it was kind of just going with the flow. And that was, that was the goal I was taking or was going to try to take all year. And for what was the short 20, uh, 2020 spring training, the, I really enjoyed that goal. And hopefully all this COVID-19 stuff gets solved where we can go out and, uh, get back to get back at it.
1: Yeah. I think everyone's hopeful that we can have a safe, uh, a safe baseball season this year. A um, couple more th- couple more questions. I'll get you out of here. If you could go back and talk to, you know, your yourself, your, your high school self right before you signed, the guy who was kind – if you could talk to the guy who was watching the laptop, worried that he was going to get drafted and was going to have to give up baseball, what would you – if you could, you know, have a pep talk with that guy, what would you, you know, what would you tell him? What advice would you give him or any other – you know, 18-year-old kid who's about to go play
0: pro ball? I would just tell him – I would just try to tell myself to – well, there's all kinds of things i tell myself on the training aspect of it, but as far as just
1: – Maybe get a few swings in that first offseason?
0: Yeah, maybe maybe hit a couple times that first winner. That first would be a solid approach. Uh, no, I would just tell myself, hey, be easy on yourself. Like, as cliche as that sounds, like this game's going to beat you up, but you got to find – you get you gotta find a way to just almost not care, but just you know find something to take your mind off of it. Like, like I didn't know it. My first four or five years, I didn't, I didn't, I was so carefree and just kind of went out and played baseball. Didn't really get caught up in anything, with the mechanics of hitting, or you know what moves need to be made that'll benefit me. But uh, like my last or there was probably three or four four year stretch where that all that stuff just consumed me and ate at me and it was unhealthy. I would just tell my younger self to be easy on yourself and, you know, treat yourself right. Uh, and, you know, that was, that would kind of be the, what I would tell my younger self. Cause and granted younger self is probably too dumb to really realize what I've been talking about and probably go through the whole thing again. But uh, yeah, I think that's just kind of uh, be easy to have fun and really 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 just don't you know just try to try to have as much fun as possible and just you know do whatever you can to, to be like to be happy and have a good time because that's it's really much what it's all about and you want to enjoy these moments you know this is a special being able to play professional baseball is, is a special is a special well, privilege that you know we've been blessed to be able to do and just be able to enjoy that because you know you don't want to look back at these great opportunities and times and kind of find out you've been, you didn't take advantage of and have as much fun and enjoy it as much as you, as you could have and should have.
1: Last thing I've got for you. What is more fun dunking on someone or hitting a home run in a major league game?
0: Oh, well I've never, I've only dunked on like two people and they weren't like worth really worth bragging about. So I would say hitting a major league home run, um, only major league home run. you go going my league home runs. So I'm definitely going to choose dunking and basketball. But if it's a major league home run, I'll choose a major league homer, no doubt.
1: I assume you can. I assume you can still throw down. What's your what's your go to trick dunk? Uh,
0: right now, uh, I, probably your basic windmill. I can't really. I used to go between the legs when I was younger, but those days are gone. And now I'm just, I, I'm slowly, I'm on the decline on jumping, and it, like, I think. Last spring training, the so first spring training, I didn't have a 40 inch vertical, and it really that like really hit me like that hurt that hurt deep that hit me deep when I didn't have a 40 inch vertical. That's the first time I had a 40 vertical. So I was like 17, 18 years old, and like that was when I was I was like oh no.
1: Well, it's all about the three-point shot now anyways, so whenever baseball's done, you just you got to go put up those jumpers and, and can still find a place. Uh, Lane, where can the folks follow you on social media and find your website?
0: Uh, you can find me at uh, LA underscore Swiftness, my, all my social media handles. Uh, my website is Swiftness Online. Uh, I was doing a blog. I have a blog lately, but I need to get back on it. Um, kind of, I think we're, me and my wife are building a house right now, so kind of been... Uh, a little too busy soon with other things, but I didn't get back on that. But yeah, you can find me online. I'm usually usually on there, you know, going back and forth with somebody or annoying everyone's timeline, of some sort.
1: That's what we all do. Lane Adams, thanks so much for joining from Phenom to the Farm.
0: Hey, thanks Kyle for having me, man. Appreciate it.
1: And that's it for today's episode of From Phenom to the Farm. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review. Also, make sure to check out everything going on at BaseballAmerica.com. New content every day, including post-draft coverage and updates on the Major League Labor situation. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Bandujo. That's B-A-N-D-U-J-O. And I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks.